It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's deflected. And picked up Mosey. He'll take it in. It's a pick six and a touchdown. Bell into the middle of that line. And it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. There was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and what? it's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's Thursday, so a day late because of schedule this week. But it is time for Midweek with Manish. Manish Mehta covering the New York Jets for the Daily News. What's going on, Manish? Hey, Scott. How you been? I've been busy keeping up with what Sam Darnold has been doing because, as you reported in the New York Daily News, apparently he's leading some workouts with teammates in the nice weather right now, which is a good idea. I think it's a strong team-building exercise, and it certainly shows leadership on Darnold's part. It sure does. Uh, the Jets are going to be gathering this week for a few days uh, for informal, like passing uh, drills, passing camp uh, uh as far as I know, Sam Darnold did not invite defensive players, but uh, it's essentially uh, what Jets West was with Mark Sanchez, uh, where you get the skill position guys together, except it won't be in California. It'll be in the Miami area uh, where uh, Josh Allen actually conducted Bill's workouts uh, recently. Uh, as everyone knows, Sam Darnold and Josh Allen were working out together uh, under Jordan Palmer's tutelage in Southern California. And, uh, Allen went down to Florida in the Miami area. Pete Bomarito is a, a trainer for a lot of players. Uh, he trains Le'Veon Bell, uh, Frank Gore, Brashard Perryman, other guys as well. So uh, it, it's a, a nice complex, uh, you know, a relatively safe complex. So it, it's not going to be open to the public. And it gives uh, the Jets an opportunity to get at least some field work in because it's been such an uh, unusual off season. You can only learn so much uh, in these virtual online classes. So uh, it certainly uh, benefits Darnold, who needs to get on the same page with guys that he hasn't previously worked with. Uh, Brashard Perryman, you know, chief among them, uh, being their their top free agent signing on the offensive side, uh, at least from a skills position standpoint. Uh, he obviously also hasn't worked out with uh, Denzel Mims, uh, Lamichael Pirine, you know, both rookies. So uh, it's good quality time, not much time. It's about three days, but uh, again, it. Uh, it provides at least uh, you know, some foundation uh, heading into training camp, which uh, as of now begins at the end of July. But uh, you know, as you touched on, it does show leadership. And I'm fully aware that quarterbacks across the league try to get the players together for you know, similar activities. But uh, Darnold is a young player, and uh, my understanding is that uh, you know, this is something that he really wanted to do, took an initiative on, and uh, – and, you know, ultimately he's going to make it happen this week. So, uh, you know, it, it's a good step. Uh, again, not ideal for the, for Darnold or the Jets as an organization. You'd obviously want months of this uh, on the field at Florham Park. But, uh, you know, it's it's at least something. And uh, it gives them, uh, you know, a little bit of working knowledge before training camp actually begins. 
Shades of Jets West with Mark Sanchez, right? Exactly. I mean, it, it's a, it's essentially Jets South, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> or Jets Southeast. Uh, uh, hey, look, you're seeing it across the league uh, more and more. But I do think it's important for a young quarterback to gather his teammates together because he still is growing into a leadership role. Uh, everybody wants him to be the leader because he is the quarterback, and the quarterback is a leadership position. Uh, but he just can't force it. So, uh, you know, Darnold has said as much even as recently as this offseason that, you know, with time he's going to grow and mature into the leader that everybody wants him to become. But it really has to happen at his pace. You know, everybody is different. Everyone has different personalities, even though Josh Allen, again, is one of his good friends and a guy that he trains in the offseason with. His personality is much different than Darnold's. So you, you don't want to force the issue. You obviously want somebody – uh, to want to step to the forefront, and I fully believe that Sam Darnold wants to do that. But uh, you know, again, I don't think it was practical two years ago when he came into the league. Uh, he started taking some steps toward that last year. Uh, you know, perhaps he could have been more aggressive uh, in terms of being a leader uh, for this team uh, as a sophomore, as a second-year player. But again, you know, he. It's got to evolve naturally because if it's not natural, you know, players will see that. Players will know that you're a phony. And I think that, you know, what we know of Darnold right now over the last two plus years is that he's not a phony. Uh, he's, a, you know, he's a genuine guy who works extremely hard, wants to believe in everybody, uh, and wants to assume the leadership mantle. But again, it has to happen his way. It has to happen naturally, and uh, unfortunately. It was a natural opportunity for him to do this because of the pandemic restrictions uh, that did not allow him to be on the field at the team facility all off season. So he's taking advantage of the opportunity uh, again, even though it's only three or so days together in Florida. You know, three or so days is a lot better than no days. So would you like more time together? Absolutely. But the the, uh, the idea that the quarterback wants to do this. Uh, is important. Uh, you know, I think it's it's not something that should be understated simply because other quarterbacks around the league are doing similar things. Chemistry is going to be very important to whether or not Sam Darnold and the Jets can be successful this year. And certainly the offensive line and the rebuilding there is going to play a huge role as well. And the Jets, according to you in the New York Daily News, were talking to somebody that they thought could help that offensive line. And that's Kyle Long, who just retired from the Bears, former pro bowler, but he had seen better days, been hurt a lot in the last couple of years, missed games in each of the last four seasons. And then Kyle Long, of course, after your report came out and said that the report wasn't true and that he had never spoken to the Jets. I know that you don't get into sourcing, so I'm going to say this because this is just a matter of being a detective and figuring out on your own. If Kyle Long is coming out and saying that he didn't talk to you or that you're lying, then clearly whatever information you have didn't come from Kyle Long. Figure out the rest for yourself. But let's talk about this a little bit, Manish, because a lot of people were saying that you made this up or that it's slow, so you were looking for clicks. I think it's a little weird that, of all people, Kyle Long would be the guy that you would pick for clicks. So that's why I thought that was a strange thing, too. But this goes back to the Logan Ryan story, and we talked about it at the time. A lot of people were upset with you because they said that you reported the Logan Ryan thing as though it was a done deal. 
But the reason why I keep telling people that what you said had to have had some weight to it, regardless of how people feel about you personally, is because of the fact that Mike Garofalo and Ian Rappaport from NFL Network, two very plugged in guys, came out and said essentially the same thing you did. So for whatever anybody wants to say, clearly there was some smoke behind what ended up not being a fire. Now, we'll see what happens with Logan Ryan ultimately, but as of now, still not signed. So Kyle Long comes out, denies it. Now everybody is saying, oh, Manish is making this up for clicks. Talk to me a little bit about this story because I don't think that Kyle Long is the type of transaction that somebody would make up for clicks. It did come out of nowhere, though, so it's a weird story to me. Before I address the Kyle Long thing, I do want to just circle back to what you said initially about offensive line and the importance for offensive line, uh, specifically for the Jets, because they've got such high turnover. You don't find out how good your offensive line is until they get in pads. So that's why what's going on in Florida this week for a few days is essentially a glorified passing camp. You get the skill position players. You don't have the offensive linemen there because you don't really, as far as I know at least, because, uh, you know, when you have seven-on-seven seven drills, you don't have offensive linemen, right? So offensive line needs to develop uh, <clears throat> with pads on. That's, that, that's when you find out about, uh, you know, what you actually have as a unit and spacing. And I think every uh, NFL evaluator will tell you the same. So uh, I know that the Jets are at a disadvantage to some extent because they didn't, uh, from an offensive line standpoint, because they didn't have these uh, voluntary off-season workouts but the, the real work for linemen begins uh, when training camp begins, or I guess technically mini camp, that those three days when you have pads on. Uh, that's when you really kind of start to find out how your offensive linemen are working together. That's not to say that there's no value in voluntary off-season workouts for linemen. There is value, but uh, I think it's being a bit overstated. I, I think the real work happens at that particular position with that particular group uh, when, you ha- when you have pads on. So that's just uh, to put a bow, excuse me, on the uh, the Jets South uh, portion of the discussion. Uh, as far as Kyle Long goes, I reported that uh, the Jets talked to Long about coming out of retirement. He retired at the end of this past season uh, after playing a few games before put be, being put on IR. And we can discuss you know his resume in, in a bit, but uh, I can't speak to Kyle Long's motivation for denying the story. I can just tell you that the story is accurate. I stand behind the story because it's true. It's, it happened. The, the Jets did indeed talk to him about coming out of retirement. You know, his level of seriousness or, you know, that's not something that I know. That's not something that I reported. I, I really don't know. In fact, in the story, I said, if he has a desire to come back, this is how the Jets could free up money to get him, uh, you know, perhaps he did not want a story about uh, a team uh, discussing coming out of retirement. And again, I, I, I'm not saying that this is a discussion that occurred every day for a month. I'm saying that they did indeed talk to him about coming out of retirement. Maybe he does not want that story to come out because it could impact uh, other ventures he's interested in, uh, off-field ventures. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I also know that he did tell Bears fans a year or so ago that he wanted to be a bear for life when he restructured his contract, essentially you know, gave him a little bit more guaranteed money, but chopped off the final year of his contract and made it 2020 a team option year for Chicago. Uh, so perhaps he doesn't want to change his standing among the bear fan base uh, with any kind of even appearance 
that uh, a team was interested in him coming out of retirement. Again, I can't definitively get into his motivation. I can just tell you that the report is accurate. I don't make up stories. I've been doing this for 20, 25 years, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, I think I do a very good job. I take a lot of pride in my work ethic. Uh, and I think uh, that everybody who is affiliated with the New York Jets, everybody who covers the New York Jets in a private moment will admit that uh, they're fully aware of, uh, you know, how accurate, uh, you know, the information I provide is. Uh, am I batting a thousand? No, I'm not a batting a thousand. Uh, is anybody uh, on earth batting a thousand? No. Nobody is. Uh, that being said, uh, my information is extremely thorough. It's extremely accurate. Uh, I put a lot of time and effort into my job, whether it's in season or out of season. Uh, the notion, and I think that, Scott, you and I talked about this before, the notion that any credible reporter would uh, you know, wake up one morning and, and think of an idea to generate discussion if it weren't actually true is 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 shameful, frankly. And yeah, it does happen, uh, you know, among reporters from time to time. I like to think that it doesn't happen on the jet beat. Again, I can't definitively say, but uh, I like to think that it doesn't happen on, on the team that, that I cover. And I can definitively tell you it has never happened with me because, again, it's a very competitive industry. I'm a very competitive person, and I know that everybody affiliated with the Jets or everybody affiliated with covering the Jets will tell you that I'm a very competitive person. Uh, just like Sam Darnold is competitive, Adam Gase is competitive, you know, Joe Douglas is competitive. We're, you know, it, it's just a different type of competition where you're not, you know, you know, you're not competing against the Bills, the Dolphins, or the Patriots. You're competing against other news outlets. Uh, but you know. As I said a minute ago, I have a lot of respect for people that cover the team because I know how hard some of those people uh, work. Uh, again, everything's not across the board. You, know, you have varying levels of commitment in, in every in every profession. But uh, you know, I, I actually I take it as a personal front uh, when someone suggests that something was made up. I, I really do. I work way too hard. Uh, uh, I think I'm fairly well connected within the Jet organization and across the NFL, and I know that people in the Jet organization are fully aware of that. Uh, but you know, I, I, I do take it as a personal front. Now, look, I'm not going to lose sleep over it, but uh, you know, I'd be lying to you, ironically, if I told you that uh, you know I, it just washes off my back. Uh, you know, it does after five or ten minutes, but then when we discuss it, like we're discussing it now. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that I think, frankly, that's insulting. And I wouldn't be – if I'm not going to stand up for myself in instances like this, then who is? So uh, I think it's insulting. This story is absolutely accurate. Kyle Long is fully aware that the Jets spoke about coming out of retirement. It's actually kind of funny, you know, knowing how I got the information. Uh, the Jets are fully aware that <laughs> that they spoke to, to Kyle Long about coming out of retirement. Uh, and, and one final thing uh, – it's great to get. Well, I don't even know if "great" is the right word, but yeah, you know, it's it's nice, I guess, to get uh, other reporters to confirm stories. Some stories just you, you can't confirm because you know how you got the information, and you know that the people that told you aren't going to confirm it to anybody else. So uh, again, you take it on a case by case basis. Some stories can get confirmed, some stories uh, don't get confirmed. But uh, you know, I don't know how long. You know, 
I'll tell you that right now. Uh, I don't know Kyle Long. Kyle Long doesn't know me. Uh, he has his reasons for saying what he did, uh, and I will stand behind my story because it is accurate. The Jets indeed uh, did talk to him about coming out of retirement, and, and that's probably where I'll leave it. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Manish, the Jets are still doing their virtual off-season program. They are going to finish doing everything remotely, even though they're allowed to be in the building. Where do we stand on what's going to happen after that? Do we have any idea how this is going to work with training camp or even access for reporters? What's going on? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, as far as I know, the league has not... Uh, changed their plan which is training camp start what but 14 15 days before your first preseason game so essentially in late july uh now there was a a report from i believe it was from albert breer in uh si uh i'm pretty i'm pretty sure it was breer but he he wrote that uh there's a chance that camps could open a week or two earlier to get players you know acclimated to the current circumstances, which would put uh, players reporting in the second or third week in July, somewhere in that neighborhood. But, uh, you know, players aren't going to be quarantined as far as I know. Uh, I I think there's going to be daily testing. Uh, From a reporting standpoint, 
I looked into that uh, about a week ago, and it, it's kind of just wait and see. Uh, I, you know, when I think about covering practices, you don't really cover practices when the season begins. What you cover is about 10 minutes, 15 minutes of stretching, and then some light individual drills uh, for a total of, what, 20 or 30 minutes, and that's it. So you don't actually see practice uh, in contrast to the the spring and the summer in OTAs. Now, they're in shorts in OTAs, and it's a little bit different. But in OTAs and training camp specifically, minicamp as well, but uh, training camp, there's a lot of value in covering practices live. Uh, you know, they're not covering practices on TV except for the occasional time when NFL Network comes to the facility. And I don't even know if that's going to happen this offseason. You know, and they interview a bunch of players and coaches and, and show some you know, some scenes from, from training camp. But you don't get the two-plus full-hour experience of watching uh, a training camp practice on television. So there's a lot of value from a reporter standpoint watching how players are deployed. Uh, a lot, you know, most of that stuff you can't report, but it's still valuable information to have because then you have a baseline knowledge of, you know, where guys kind of stand uh, you know, are they running with the first team? Are they running with the second team? And look, there are different days and, and different uh, you know goals for each day that Adam Gase and Greg Williams will have. So you know they might be uh, you know focusing on the screen game one day. So you don't want to you know read into it too much and say, wow, the Jets are going to be a screen heavy team this year because uh, nine out of, uh, of Sam Darnold's ten passes were to running backs. Uh, so you you do need a, a, the context there, but it is interesting to see them work on different things. It's interesting to see players getting shuffled in and out with the first team, second team, third team, especially for the younger, unproven players. If there's a young guy uh, who isn't necessarily highly touted, but you see him getting you know a decent amount of reps with the starters, that opens your eye, and that happens every year. So there's a lot of value in covering training camp practices. So uh, you know, I sincerely hope that media will be allowed to cover practices. Uh, I think there's frankly uh, an easy way to do that because it is a, you know, there are two fields. Uh, field is pretty big. And so I think you could space out reporters, you know, enough where they could, uh, you know, they could witness practice, observe practice and, and still, you know, be safe, you know, safely distanced. So there's not a concern. Uh, I don't know what access the players and coaches will be after practice, however, because in, in the past, in training camp, you would get, at, uh, for, for example, last year, you would get Adam Gase uh, on a podium outside uh, underneath a, a tent speaking to reporters, and then you would get select players uh, speaking at, at the tent as well. And if you wanted to talk to players one-on-one, you would have to put a request in, and then uh, as they were walking off the field, uh, they would be aware because you put your request in, I don't know, 24, 48 hours in advance. Uh, so the players would be aware that, hey, after practice, and if they weren't aware, you know, they would be reminded that after, after practice, uh, you know, they're going to talk to me or they're going to talk to a different outlet. And so you could just get a guy, uh, you know, right by the entry point after they get off the field uh, to talk to them for, you know, whatever, whatever you needed, five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it might be. So uh, that clearly is not going to be happening <laughs> this uh, <laughs> this uh, training camp. So I'm curious whether the NFL will uh, suggest, you know, podium distancing availability 
which is players in a group, uh, you know, obviously Adam Grace in a group, uh, which, uh, you know, I don't think that lends itself to the best stories. You know, I think as a reporter, you know, anybody on the beat will tell you, you know, they prefer to talk to players one-on-one because then you can get in a, in a conversation, you can get in a back-and-forth dialogue, and uh, you have something specific that you want to talk to a player about, uh, that you can write a story about, that, that fans will appreciate. So there's a great advantage to talking to players one-on-one. And I think everybody covering the team will tell you that, uh, you know, frankly, it stinks that that's not going to happen. So it's going to be in a group setting. The only question will be become whether that's going to be live in person in a group setting or whether it's going to be, you know, via Zoom calls. Um, so I, I don't know if we're going to be watching practice live and then going into – know our cubicles at the media center and then asking questions to players and, and gays via zoom or whether uh we're not going to be allowed at practice at all and just going to have to wait until practice is over before talking to the head coach and players uh, via zoom calls so uh, i think that's still being worked out with the league uh and certainly with each individual team so uh you know i, I don't definitively know obviously that'll get hashed out in the next month Manish, last order of business, Kyle Brandt from NFL Network was talking about DeBrickishaw Ferguson this week, so it put DeBrickishaw back in the spotlight, and I wanted to bring this up with you because this is amazing. I knew about this but hadn't thought about it in a long time. DeBrickishaw Ferguson only missed one snap in his entire 10-year career, and it wasn't due to injury or anything like that. He was pulled at the end of a game when the Jets were playing the Dolphins in 2008. They were losing, and they tried a desperation play at the end, so they put in Darrell Revis at left tackle because they wanted somebody fast because they were going to throw the ball around, and hopefully they were going to have that Music City miracle type of thing happen. Of course, that's not actually how it played out, and they ended up losing the game. But I don't think this gets talked about enough. I know that DeBrickishaw Ferguson was never an elite left tackle, but he was a very good one, and he was exactly what you want from a durability standpoint. Again, one missed snap, and it was because the team pulled him out on a weird play. Just shows you what a warrior DeBrickishaw Ferguson was, how reliable he was, and really sets a gold standard for Mekhi Becton to live up to, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually had spoken... (laughs) To uh, uh, to break about that through the years, uh, I, I believe it was Mangini that was the head coach for that game. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's remarkable that a guy at that position uh, could be so durable. And it, it it's funny because when you looked at him, he had the spindly legs. He had the two knee braces that he wore coming out of uh, Virginia, and uh, you you know you wouldn't have thought that he'd be so durable. So yeah, does he have a does he hold uh, you know, a, a special place in Jet fans' hearts. <laughs> of, cor- of course he does. And uh, if Makai Becton can become the player that DeBrickishaw Ferguson was, uh, I don't think you're going to find anyone complaining. Joe Douglas certainly won't be complaining. But, uh, yeah, you know, Brick was a guy that, just a matter-of-fact, you know, smart, very smart guy, a matter-of-fact, workman-like guy. Uh, you know, what I'll say about Brick, look, I respected him for this. Uh, I didn't necessarily always agree with him for this, but uh, he had a lot of opinions. I don't think he was willing to share those opinions very often when he was uh, a player. Uh, I don't think he wanted to say anything that could even be perceived as controversial. 
so you know, very politically correct guy, uh, but he performed right. You know, three-time Pro Bowler, and a guy who you could depend on to protect your most valuable asset, the quarterback. And uh, you know, Makai Becton, if he can go that many games uh, without missing time, uh, that would uh, <laughs> that would be interesting. I mean, it's a rare commodity to have in any player, uh, let alone a left tackle. But he set a good example. You know, he I, again, I, I think that. He had a lot of opinions. He just wasn't necessarily willing to share them during his playing days. And that's okay. Uh, again, I respect his position uh, to do that. I, I just wish he you know, would have been a little bit more open uh, to sharing his opinion. But I understand why he didn't do it. I always respected him uh, immensely. He wasn't necessarily a guy that you would go to after a win or a loss uh, in terms of trying to you know, get his evaluation uh, to put in the in the paper. You know, get qu- quotes from him in the paper uh, because look, he just, you know he wanted to stay on this you know stay on the politically correct side. And, and again, a lot of players are like that. Uh, David Harris was another player like that. I had an immense respect for Harris, but he wasn't necessarily a go-to guy after a game or during the week. Uh, if you if you wanted your thoughts uh, or his thoughts, I should say, on different issues and and players, uh, you know, I, he he wouldn't have been the first guy to, that I went to, uh, and the same holds with Brick. It seems, Manish, that Makai Becton already is much more of a snappy quote than the Brickishaw Ferguson ever was. But as you said, if Makai Becton can live up to the legacy at left tackle that the Brickishaw Ferguson left, I think that is what most fans are going to be really excited about because, as you said, there are very few things in the NFL that are more important than having a guy that's steady and reliable and that you don't have to worry about protecting the quarterback's blind side for the long haul. Manish Mehta covering the New York Jets for the Daily News. Thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. Don't forget to follow Manish on Twitter and read his work in the Daily News. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.